Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we have the privilege of talking to Ken Gober. Ken has been in the music industry most of his adult life as a professional musician, singer, and songwriter. A few years ago, his debut solo album, Soul of a Man, The Journey, actually won him Best New Male Gospel Artist at the Black Music Awards in Las Vegas. This man has some great stories to share from starting out in a band, working on cruise ships, and then on the Vegas trip. However, in this conversation, Ken shares with us a very powerful story about writing his new song called Either Way. He wrote the song about his friend, but then this song became an inspiration for his own family just weeks later when his mother was given a few days to live. But I don't want to give you the wrong impression here because there is a lot of laughter in this conversation, including his story at the very beginning about growing up in Gary, Indiana and the Jackson 5. Can't wait for you to hear this conversation with Ken Gober and a short 30-second clip of his new single called Either Way. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today, we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. This episode is being presented to you by Luby Companies, a custom home builder here in central Ohio. Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome. Cause I've been fighting, believing, been praying for healing Don't know how this ends, but it's all in your hands If you take this pain or my life ends today I know you're my healer, you're my redeemer Either way Either way Alright, Steph. This is going to be fantastic. Oh, I already have some questions I want to ask him, so I'm super (laughs) excited about this. (laughs) Me too. Well, friends, our next guest is a Christian singer and songwriter. His debut solo album, Soul of a Man, The Journey, won him the Best New Male Gospel Artist of the Year at the 2008 Black Music Awards in Vegas. And he recently released a very powerful new single called Either Way. Which I love. Yes, it is very good. good. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us a Good Story, Mr. Ken Gober. Hey, Ken. Welcome. Hey, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for saying yes to us. And first of all, I just want to ask this right out of the gate. You grew up in a place called Gary, Indiana. All right. I want to ask. (laughs) No, I do not know the Jacksons. Go ahead. (laughs) We knew you were going to say that. We knew it. (laughs) My question is, how many times does people ask you the stupid question of, do you know the Jackson Jackson. (laughs) 5? I knew what it was. I knew what the question. So to answer your question, every time I do an interview or do a show or interview after a show, that is the first question. The I mean, so those guys are older than me, obviously. But I have older cousins that grew up with some of the older Jacksons like Jackie, um, Jermaine. So because they were older, they were in high school for a minute. And those guys grew up on 23rd and Jackson. Um, The street was actually named Jackson Street before it's not after them. So 
my grandmother lived right up the street. We we grew up running past the house and it's a little tiny house. Is it? And it's a tiny house. And so we grew up going past that house every day. I went to the high school. It's right in the alley of our high school. And uh, we passed by it, not even thinking about it. But people always ask the question, did you know any of the Jacks? <laughs> well, I saw you're from Gary. And right. then too, you being in the music industry, right? right? Correct. I just assume like you get asked that probably every day. I do. And as, I do. as soon as I start saying it, I mean, you, oh, he's you like, me I don't know. I already knew. I really knew. I did an interview a couple of weeks ago. And that was the first. I have a question. Um, do you know the Jackson? No. <laughs> no, but it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. In your 20s and 30s, right. you did shows in Vegas yes. and on cruise ships. Yes. Let's yes. stop right there, yes. Ken. <laughs> Gotta have give a good me one. some good stories on cruise ships, first of all, and then give me some stories on Vegas. So I, I'll say cruise ships, it was a blessing but boring. So really, well, let me not say boring. Um, so I was with the band cabaret band and we just traveled all over the world. The cruise ships gave us an opportunity to see even more of the world. But what would, what happened was the blessing and the curse was we were a special type of band. So we actually played in a cabaret room. It's called the Explorers Lounge. So okay. wherever we went, on Princess Cruise Line, we were the Explorers Lounge house band and we did shows and regular stuff. But because we were what they call a guest musician, we didn't have anything to do all day except for going to the showroom around nine o'clock to 11. And that's all we did all day. So we had like the whole day of doing nothing. So eventually, the contracts that we had, you had to stay there four to six months. Okay. okay. So, so if you know anything about a cruise, uh, so a prime example, did a Mediterranean cruise one summer for four months. You know, we went to all of the great places, 12 stops. But for all of those months, once you go port over here, go port over here, once you turn around and do that, like, 12, 15 times. <laughs> you right. get to a point where it's, okay, we're in Venice, but oh. I'm not getting off this time because I got off the last six times, you know, but it was fun, but it was routine. Uh-huh. Okay. So is it literally then Groundhog Day? Because- Yes. I like that. I like because that. Because you're showing up the same port same just port. a week later. A week later. The only difference is different passengers. So you see different faces. But you've got to have a good story from something that took place on a cruise ship mm. with one of the passengers or something or something that happened during your show or is there anything that comes to mind? Well, I'll say this, maybe not on the, the ship, but okay. you know, we would port different places and I won't say where, but we were in a Caribbean place where the beach and the sand and sun and the drummer and I. We went out to uh, just kind of walk the beach and just kind of hang out. I'm afraid of animals, right? <laughs> dogs, cats, doesn't matter. But dogs and big dogs, I'm afraid of. Hey, I'm with you, brother. Yeah, I am same, hey, I'm with you. So the drummer and I, we were just kind of walking on the beach, just talking. And right in front of me, I saw a, I saw a big dog coming <laughs> this way. With the, the owner didn't have the dog on a chain, right? 
So obviously I'm tensing up. Well, the drummer, he already knows that, you know, Ken is scared of dogs. And he's telling me, man, just calm down. The dog is just playful. He's He may come this way, but calm down. And I'm shaking in my boots. As soon as the dog got close to me, I just ran straight into the water. <laughs> Clothes and all. But that's not the end. The funniest thing about it was not realizing if this dog is kind of a beach ocean dog. The dog is not afraid of water and the dog probably can pedal and swim. So the dog chased me in the ocean. <laughs> and the owner was standing there just saying, oh, he's okay. He's not going to bite. I'm in the water. The dog is coming. The, the water is getting higher in my mouth. I'm hollering saying, miss, get the dog. Eventually, the dog came back out, but I was soaked and wet going back to the ship. <laughs> Ken, you have met your new best friend in Kevin Mason because that really? is so Ken, Kevin. Oh, I'm a magnet for dogs. I am too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And Steph has Steph has seen this. Mm. Ken, we'll be at the tar- parking lot if we are walking past a vehicle that has a dog inside. Yeah. They will jump like to the window trying <laughs> to, to you, get yes. to me. They My are wife trying says to get that all me. the time. My yes. wife says it all the time. I attract them. So I I'm mean, the same way. and I'm soaking wet and every, everyone's looking at me like, where, where, where's, <laughs> he, where's he been? The drummer is dying laughing the whole time. I would have been the drummer. Oh, I would have loved it. And couldn't wait until we did our did our set to tell everyone. If you saw a guy that was soaking wet coming back, uh, this is Ken right here. He, and they told the whole story the rest of the cruise trip. So, so with you, you guys get hired for like a four to six month gig. You literally work for two hours and then you have the rest of the time to yourself. Shift to yourself. Two and a half hours uh, max every now and then when the ship would go out on a, on a brand new course, we would play maybe in the front of the ship. But for the most part, because we were guest musicians, that was kind of just our gig. So it was it was awesome because we actually had the lay of the ship, too. So we didn't have any restrictions. Some musicians they were musicians by day or night, and they also worked on the cruise staff. Oh, okay. Yep. But we were guest musicians. That's all we did. That's you not know? bad. No big deal. No, that's not no, bad. You know, yeah. it was, but it, it's, it was a young man's game. Yeah. Uh, I could you know, totally see that. Yeah, yeah. It was a young man's game. And eventually I got married. So, you know, those stays became a little bit more yeah. of a strain after mm-hmm. that. But it was mo- mo- most of my 20s and beginning 30s. It was cool. It was cool. Okay, so what about Vegas? How long were you in Vegas performing? So I lived in Vegas for 13 years. I tell people all the time, which it's cool though, but you know, anything that you do, whether you love it or not, if you do it long enough, it becomes, you know, a task. The cool thing about Vegas though is you see a lot of crazy stuff. I think what what grounded me was everyone in the band were believers. Oh, that's oh, good. That helped. Yeah, yeah, we were everyone was a believer. So we had certain standards as men. However, that didn't shield you <laughs> From the craziness that you saw, um, we used to start, and in Vegas, you work crazy hours. Right? Oh, I'm uh-huh. sure. You either work the day shift or you work the night shift, right? So when we first got there, we worked the night shift. So you would start around 9, 9.30, and you wouldn't finish to, this is old Vegas. You okay. would finish to 3 o'clock in the morning. 
And probably the first year there, the one thing that I saw that I said, okay, well, that's it. I'll never be a gambler is we were working in, I don't know if it was the Barbary Coast or the old Atlantan before they changed it to uh, Planet Hollywood. But we started our gig and I just so happened, just I saw a guy just come to one of the tables and sit down and start gambling. So we started to get around nine o'clock. By the time it was one o'clock, his tie was off, his shirt was half off his body, and he had just this look of despair. And it was like, I'll never gamble. And he sat there the whole time. And it's like, this is crazy. But you would see crazy stuff. You would see the crowd change. You would see what we call the women of the night take their place around 11, 12 o'clock at night. It was just anything went in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was weird. What did you enjoy more, Vegas or your cruise ships? Wow, that's good. In the beginning, I think the cruise ship, because I was being from Gary. um, I mean, our biggest attraction outside of Gary was, which was a huge attraction, but Chicago. Right. right? So, you know, I went Mm -hmm. to Chicago a lot, you know, kind of grew up on the music scene and just hung out in Chicago. But that was kind of the limit other than going to Alabama for family reunions. So it gave me an opportunity to travel. And if you've ever traveled before, I tell people all the time, it's a totally different perspective when you get a chance to see other cultures and other things. So when I first started traveling on the cruise ships, it was awesome because it was all new. And I got a chance to just see all kinds of places and things, but I enjoyed the travel. That was great. Steph, what's most important to you when it comes to building a new home? Okay. I want a builder who's an expert in what they do. It's going to be honest with me and cares about even the smallest of details. Well, thankfully, we know just the builder. You know it. It's Jay and Connie Luby with Luby Companies. Friends, don't just take our word for it. Go check out their website at lubycompanies.com. That's L-U-E-B-B-E companies.com. Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome. Okay, so researching you, Ken. This blows my mind. You actually went to the University of Montana. Yes. Okay. So how on earth does a young, (laughs) talented, musically gifted black kid from Gary, Indiana end up in Montana where it's, I'm assuming, predominantly white and Native American kids? How do you end up all the way over in Montana? I told you I got millions of stories, man. (laughs) But so in high school, Uh, On top of music, I played football, track, basketball, but football, I excelled in football. Okay. And I had a buddy of mine who was a year before me. He had a football scholarship and he went to University of Montana. And because he was the first one from our area, then they kept their eyes on our area. And he also told them about me. Hey, I have a good friend. Uh, He's a year behind me, but you know, you can check him out. Um, So I never wanted to go to Montana. I'm a kid from Gary. Gary is predominantly African-American. And I thought I was going to go to HBCU, so a black college, um, where most of my friends or being from Indiana, most of my buddies went to Indiana or Purdue Ball State. Well, makes sense. Yeah. Well, they offered money and my parents said, they're offering money. (laughs) You're going there. (laughs) What? I'm going, where? (laughs) So 
<laughs> I ended up in Montana. You're correct. Montana, uh, we had a population, I think probably around 20, 25 African-Americans on the campus. Oh, um, my gosh. Like 12 of us, 12 or 13 of us were on the football team. The other five or six on the basketball team and a couple of guys on the track team. And really? one African-American female. And she was there because her boyfriend was on the basketball team. <laughs> So, yeah, man, it was interesting. I bet that's worse than what I was expecting when you say yeah. 25 African-American yeah, like kids. 25, 26, yeah, yeah. On campus. On campus. But it, it, it was a great experience. It was probably a better experience because I was an athlete. Um, yeah. So, you know, so we probably were shielded. But Montana is, a, is, a, is an awesome state. It's, it's some great people there. And it's a great, majestic view, man. It, it, it's awesome. So I'm familiar with your story and what mm -hmm. took place once you got to college, right? right? Can you share that with Steph? What happened once you were at Montana? And I really appreciate how open you are in your interviews and that it ended up in rehab by the age of 23. Right, right, can, you, right. can you share that with Steph? Yeah. So um, I'm a church kid. All my parents and my family are believers. So I grew up in the church, but uh, people always use the, the prodigal son narrative but i mean I, if there was one that was me one of my one of my things of growing up was i was trying to stay far away from being the church kid mm. and no matter how far i tried to stay away i was always the church kid i was cool i was popular but i was always the church boy the labeled yeah yeah it was labeled that and now i'm knowing it that's a great label but then, you know, growing up, you didn't want that. My dad was a gospel singer, radio personality in our regional area. So I had to live with that. So what happens with addiction a lot of times is, you know, you start, you you dabble in drinking as a kid or, or smoking marijuana or, you know, doing little things as a kid. But a lot of times it morphs into something if a life tragedy or life issue happens. So for me, I always messed around as a kid and drank and smoked and did all of that, but I was still an athlete. So I stayed in shape, a lot of things going for me. But what happens is you take those traits with you, right? So in college, I kept drinking and doing drugs, uh, but I stayed uh, in shape playing football. And I just kind of got into a lot of trouble, not robbing or, or that type of thing, but I just got into a lot of misfit. So my freshman year, we had a coach. And what happened was my sophomore year, he went to Canadian League and he became a head coach in one of the Canadian teams. And we got a coach from Oregon State. He came in, right? So what they do is they normally call in those that have been on the team at least a year or two. They call you in your office and they tell you their plans. Hey, um, your records say that you're this, you're that, and we're going to try this course of action. Any questions you have for me? So when I came into the office, the coach sat down and he had a stack of papers, a file this high, and he put it on the table and said, this is your file right here. So it says you're a trouble kid, but your background doesn't say you're a trouble kid. We're going to give you another chance. And this is a fresh start. So anyway, stayed in trouble. And by my junior year, I played good, but it was just too much. And I lost my scholarship. So I went back home. Right. Mm. But I kept doing the things that I was doing in Montana, even heightened, even more more drinking, more drugs. And what happened was when I came back to Gary, there's always triggers. 
And my trigger became, I'm a failure. So back home, lost a scholarship. But what happens a lot of times is there's a crowd that pulls for you, that roots for you, adults, friends, and then there's another crowd. They don't root for you. And they wait for you to fall in life. There's always a crowd when you fall, they don't say, see, I knew you were nothing. But up front, they say, man, don't worry about it. You're one of us now. So what happened was Gary is a great place to be raised, especially in the 70s and 80s. But what happens, there's a dark side like any other city. And when you have the wrong crowd that embraces you, now you're sucked into that world. And probably a year and a half, two years after being back home, I just slid to what I call my rock bottom. And um, at the age of 23, I found myself, I was on a three-day binge. I was addicted to crack cocaine. On a three-day binge and about three, three o'clock, four in the morning, I found myself in the middle of a room, just in a chair and just frozen and just God's spirit just came on top of me and just, I just uncontrollable tears. Couldn't stop it. And actually, I was with some friends that we were kind of all from the same background and even a a family member as well. And he came out into the room and he saw it and they said, oh, no. Really? Yeah. You know, and it was it was it was it was like the spirit just just gripped me and said, "Okay, that's it. And I praise God that my rock bottom was not a rock bottom story that I hear from others. Um, yeah. I was young enough. I believe that that was the Lord saying, okay, you've gone far enough. I have some stuff for you and this is not going to ruin you. And check myself into a 28 uh, day rehabilitation program at that time. And um, the interesting thing, the, the last thing I'll say about it is the interesting thing about it is when I cleaned up, When I got my head and my focus together, the Lord reminded me that, hey, you got a gift of music that I put in you. Did you forget? And I did forget. And once my my mind cleared up, the goal now was, you know what? I want to do music. I want to do what I'm best at. And I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. And within a year, I met this band. And the next thing you know, I was on a cruise ship. I was with those guys for like 13 years and just it changed my trajectory. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Here's the other amazing thing is you getting involved with this group. Mm -hmm. You are believers and it takes you to cruise ships and then you go to Vegas. If you have an addiction issue with Mm -hmm. drugs and alcohol, those are not the places to go. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, now you're out on your own. You're out on your own. <laughs> what that could happen living in Vegas for a handful of years, right? Yeah. If I have a drug and alcohol problem or on a yeah. cruise ship and I'm going overseas and certain things are legal in on this island or that island. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's amazing that you went there, but you had a group of men and mentors that could help you with that process yeah. and help with your healing. Right. Yeah. And and you know what? And I talk about this a lot, but I didn't look at it from this perspective and this angle. So so probably maybe three months out of rehab, I'm back home, staying with my parents. All I'm doing is working. And then if you know anything about rehabilitation, they encourage you to go to either AA meetings or NA meetings, which is Narcotics Anonymous. Right. Okay. So so you go to those meetings while you're in the program. 
And then when you get out, they encourage you to get a sponsor and go to meetings once, twice, three times, four times a week with whatever you feel that you need. And probably three months in of of working, going to meetings, going home, staying in the house, not going out. I was coming back from a meeting one day and I just heard an audible in my spirit. Are you healed? And, you know, and I'm driving home from a meeting and I'm saying, yeah, I'm healed. But then I heard it again. Are you healed? And it was, yes, I'm healed. Where if you healed, you're healed. And I say that not boasting or bragging because everyone's journey is different. So it doesn't mean that the meetings don't work. But for me, going to a meeting two and three times a week, and every time I go to a meeting and I stand up and I say, hey, I'm Ken and I'm an addict, right? God said I was healed. Yes. God said I was healed. So if I'm a healed, and if words are powerful, every time I stand up yes. and say I'm Ken and I'm an addict, am I countering what the spirit of God has done in my life? And like I said, everyone has their course that they path. But I transitioned that to when I moved to Atlanta, I believe God put me with these guys, right? Because these guys didn't smoke, they didn't drink, curse, you know, none of that. But I believe God led me to these guys and they sheltered me and they taught me a lot about entertaining. They taught me a lot about the music business, the entertainment side. And I learned so much, but they did shield me without shielding me. And I can only give that to the Lord. So by the time we moved to Vegas, it was, you know, it was like, yeah, okay, you're doing that, but that's not in me. That's awesome. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Complete freedom. Mm-hmm. Freedom, right? yeah. Complete yeah. freedom yeah. where yeah. it's yeah. it no longer has a hold of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's only, it, it, you know, it's only by God. If you like what you hear, please tell someone about us. As soon as this episode is over, go tell your spouse, your closest friend, a parent, a coworker, or share one of our posts on social media. However, if you don't like what you're hearing, please do not. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. Just disregard this message. Don't worry about it. Forget about us. Yep. Go on with your merry day. And to get more information about us or our entire catalog of episodes, be sure to check us out at kevinandsteph.com. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. So where did your song Either Way come about? Because mm. Ken, it's so amazing. Bless it's you, bless so you. amazing. And it bless speaks you. to Steph and I because For sure. both of us, Ken, have gone through life-threatening illnesses and situations. Wow. So we yeah. know we know what you're talking about when mm-hmm. we look at the lyrics, right? right so can you please right. share the story of what led you to writing the song Either Way? First of all, it, the, the song was co-written by some great guys in Nashville, um, Christian producer. His name is Sam Hart and country artist Jackson Mickelson. So we co-wrote that song together. But I went into a writing session and it's been over a year now. A friend of mine passed last year from from cancer. He had a cancer diagnosis. Um, the doctors gave him a short period of time to live, but he lived longer. He outlived what the doctor said. So once again, God has the final say. But uh, we grew up together and we would talk. My brother and I would try to reach out to him at least three or four times a week. He was in Florida at the time by himself. It was like, hey, man, just reaching out to you. How are you doing? So we would either talk or text. But when I would finish the conversations, I would always ask, hey, this week, man, what do you want me to pray for? And nine times out of 10, he would ask just 
for the Lord to give him strength. Because, I mean, he just believed that if God gave him strength, that he would continue to fight, continue to live. He wouldn't say either way, but he would always say, but regardless, I'm fine. And he would always say, go, I'm fine because, man, I'm cool because I know whose hands I'm in. Right. I believe. Right. And, and so when we sat down to write, Sam said, what are you going to write about? I said, man, it's just something heavy on my heart. A buddy of mine, you know, he went through this tragedy, man. I'm getting ready to go home to the funeral, but I just really want to write something to honor him. But what we didn't want to do is we didn't want to sound insensitive, you know, saying to his family and friends, man, he's fine. He's in a better place, man. The Lord had a better place for him. Right. Which was true. But sometimes that comes off like, yeah, but I'm still hurting. Right. So how do I say that he's in God's hands? And, you know, we came up with either way, because either way, God is constant and is moving on both sides. And when we came up with that concept, it was, yeah, I believe that this can bring comfort and healing. And so if your loved one is gone, they're in the Lord then they're on this side. But if God heals you, like you guys, they're on this side. But God gets praise on both sides. And the interesting thing about God that I'm learning, especially as a songwriter, sometimes the finger eventually is pointed to you. And May 13th, I lost my mom. (laughs) Mm. After probably two weeks, three weeks after releasing either way, And for my family, and my brothers kept reminding me of it, for my family, it it became real because my mom was on a a respirator for 14 days. And we were all home there every day going in saying, okay, Lord, whatever your will is. But when we say whatever your will is, we have to be prepared. And so now the song has an even greater meaning, if you will, to me. But it's really about God being present on both sides. Oh, that's so yeah. good, Ken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Very good. Yeah. Well, yeah. listeners, for more information about Ken, you can go to his Instagram page, Ken Gober music or his Facebook page, The Ken Gober. Also, his website where you can access this song either way is at KenGoberMusic.com. And we will put links in our show notes and on our website. So you can just click on it and go directly to these web links. So bless you guys. Ken, this has been amazing. Are you I, just saying this because now you have somebody that can relate to you with dogs? With dogs? <laughs> like his, I like his, that stuff. I like he's that He's so happy right now. He's <laughs> like, I'm not alone in this we world. Have a bond. We have God a bond. has given me my person. <laughs> Ken and I could be in our own you know, oh. deal, dealing with dogs anonymous <laughs> group or something. No, I don't deal with dogs. That's what it is. He doesn't either, kid. It's fine. You two are perfect for each other. <laughs> Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. You guys, it's completely free. And while you're there, feel free to give us a rating or a nice review. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story.